mentioned before that my family's kind of living together right now. And my brother Jordan and his wife and two kids have the the rooms downstairs on the same level as mine, which is one of the reasons why I do most of my videos at night. But so tonight is usually, so the way that they've divided it up is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, my sister-in-law puts the girls to bed. And Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, my brother puts the girls to bed. And Sunday, they put the girls to bed together. And sometimes they'll ask me or they'll ask my mom to put them to bed. And tonight they asked me if I would put them to bed. And I said, you know, this means that, you know, mommy's not going to put you to bed tomorrow. Daddy's going to do it. And they're like, that's okay. We want to do it. Not that there's anything wrong with my brother. They just prefer it when their mom puts them to bed. So I was like, okay, so I will put you to bed. So Zoe, the younger one, likes to have stories read to her. And Abby, the older one, likes to have stories told to her. And this kind of stems back to when she was two, three years old. We were living, they, they, they moved in with us actually when we were in Omaha in the transition before they moved into their house. So they, my, they were, my brother had just gotten out of the Air Force. They were looking, they, they were supposed to take over my lease from my of the house that I was renting but in the so in the interim they stayed with my parents but anyway while they were there I would tell Abby stories and we we had this ritual it was winter it gets really cold in Nebraska but for whatever reason I thought this was a good idea and I would bundle her up in my biggest thickest warmest quilt we would go out to the front porch and sit on the swing and I would tell her stories and I would ask her, what sort of story do you want? Do you want a mermaid story? Do you want a princess story? Do you want a this story, that story? And so I've told all sorts of stories to this girl over the years. And some of them I was smart enough to record and other ones I was not. I put them to bed actually the other day too. And I told the story of the princess and the frog and the retelling that I did was, I think, really fantastic. And I didn't record it. So that's unfortunate. I can try to recreate it from memory, but it just won't be the same. But anyway, so tonight... Abby asked me if I would tell her a story and put her to bed. And I said, sure. And so I was putting her to bed and she was absolutely insistent that I tell her the story of the princess with the glass ball and the frog in the, in the well and how she drops the glass ball in the well and the frog can't go get it because it's too deep and he'll drown. But he has a dinosaur friend with a really long neck and there's like a unicorn in there and a mermaid in there. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's like, no, you told it to me. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't. And she's like, no, it was you. It was you because you tell the best stories, which I mean, is like a compliment that I'll not refuse. But I'm like, it wasn't me. And so I went and asked her mom. I was like, did you tell Abby this story? And she's like, no, but that sounds super interesting. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't tell it. I'm thinking now, actually, it just occurred to me that it might have been my mom. Because I, I think I actually remember her mentioning specifically mermaids and unicorns and dinosaurs in a story that she told to Abby before she went to bed. So it might've been my mom. I'll have to ask her tomorrow. But so I was, she, so she told, she's like, I'll tell you the story and then you can tell it to me. And so she told me the gist of the story and I told her, I was like, okay, I will tell you this story, but it won't be the way that you remember it because I don't remember this story because I'm like, 99.9% .9 I never told this story. I remember all the stories I've told this girl, the ones I've recorded and the ones that I have not. And I never once have done a story with princesses and frogs and 
unicorns and dinosaurs and mermaids. I mean, I've done each of those individually and some of them I put together, but I've definitely never done one with all of those. So I was telling her this story and as I was, as I was going on, she likes to get involved in the story. It's really cute. I was, when I was telling her the princess and the frog the other day, anytime that the princess was indignant, Abby would like channel her and just be super indignant. Oh, oh, oh. It was very cute. Anyway, so she likes to get super involved in these stories as I tell them. And as I was, I was going through and I was telling the story and just the way that she follows it, the way that she watches my mouth as I speak, the way that she mimics my mannerisms, the way that she is voraciously, I would even say, absorbing the the words that I am speaking, that she's, it, it seems almost like she's committing them to memory. And it has really enhanced her imagination to hear these stories told to her orally. And not only that, it has done me a world of good as an author and as a, as a scholar of narratives to tell these stories out loud. The way that we tell stories orally is extremely different from the way that we tell them as literary works. Anyway, so I was telling her this story and we get to the end of the story and she says, everything was exactly the same except in the first one, the mermaid didn't come out of the water. And I had to explain to her that when I was telling the story, the mermaid did not come out of the water. She just came out of the water to like her waist. But I was not, I was not very clear when I said it. So I can understand the confusion. And I don't know if the reason why she said the story was exactly the same when I told it to her is because she realigned her memory of it to fit with what I was telling or if I'm just that good at recreating stories that other people have told from brief summaries given to me by a five-year-old probably not that one but this is the way that we used to pass wisdom down to our kids and Reading books to kids is very important. I'm not going to say that it isn't. Having kids read books themselves is also very important. But there is there is something that comes out of oral storytelling that is very vibrant and real and alive in ways that written words can't really be. And part of that is as I'm telling these stories, I can tailor them to whatever it is that Abby is feeling at the moment or has been or I can address behaviors that she's been doing that may not align you know proper with with proper behavior and I say Abby specifically because Zoe is not as interested in having stories told to her and I think that's a large part because I didn't start telling them to her when she was really young whereas with Abby I've been doing this since she was like a year and a half old and so like to the point where I told her I was going to look into getting a swing to put on my balcony so that we could tell stories, which I would still like to do, but I have to figure out the logistics because I have an awning out there that's just slightly too big if I turn it the long way in order to be able to fit this swing. So it's like, anyway, you, you guys don't need that information. I just like diverted anyway. So tonight when I was telling her this story, one of the things that 
the princess in the story was doing is she was trying to force a fairy tale. She wanted to be a fairy tale princess, not just a princess, but a specifically fairy tale princess. And she went through the process of trying to follow along the storylines of other fairy tales and all of them ended in disasters. And so she, she's, her latest attempt is that she's going to, to try and do the frog prince and she drops the ball in the water in the well and the frog says he can't go get it because it's too deep he's like hey i'm an amphib amphibian i need to actually breathe i can't hold my breath for an infinite amount of time to get to the bottom of this well to grab your ball to bring it up and this specifically came about because like i said abby asked for the story with the frog who said he can't because he would drown so i was able to talk to abby about trying to force things that she thinks are good but that could potentially lead to disaster because she's trying to force it. The example I gave specifically to Abby when she asked me, because I said, you know, the princess was really remorseful because the ball that fell to the bottom of the well was part of the royal treasury and her father really loved it for whatever reason I didn't go into because it wasn't important to the story, but her father really loved this ball and she basically stole it to have her fairy tale. And so the princess in the story says, I have to stop trying to force my fairy. I have to stop trying to force my fairy tale because every time I do it ends in disaster. Abby said, but if it's a good thing, why would it be a disaster? And like I said, great teaching moment. I said, okay, let's say that you are with Zoe and you want to give her a hug. And you go to give her a hug and Zoe doesn't want a hug, but you want to hug her because it'll, it'll make you feel good and you're, you're sure it will make her feel good. And, and you just, you really want to give her this hug because what's wrong with hugging people? Hugging people is great. So you go to Zoe and you try to force her into this hug. She resists and she ends up falling and hitting her head against the wall. And now she's crying and she's, a, and, and she's upset and your mom comes and you get in trouble and you have to sit in time out. I was like, giving hugs is a good thing. But if you have to force it, you're most likely going to make bad things happen. And that really resonated with her. This idea of just because something is good doesn't mean you can push those ideas on others to make them believe that it's a good thing in the moment or in the long run, whatever the case. So developing this, this ability for Abby to think critically in different situations through storytelling. And it's been absolutely amazing to see how she connects the dots that I, that I lay out for her. I don't have to be direct and specific about the different things that I'm trying to talk about. Abby recognizes bad behavior in stories and she has more than once assigned her own bad behavior to the bad behavior in the, of the characters and not just bad behavior, the good behavior too. I, I'm not just, I don't just tell the, her these stories to make her feel bad about herself. I tell her these stories also to make her feel good about herself. I tell her these stories to get her thinking in three dimensions. I tell her stories that reinforce beliefs that she, she already has. I tell her stories that kind of open her mind a little bit to different ideas and opportunities. The point of storytelling is to expand the knowledge of the listener, as well as to help the order 
be more articulate and clear in expressing their thoughts and their ideas. So, why am I telling you this? The types of stories that we are feeding our children, whether they are our children or ours by proxy, ours by proxy, are helping to shape the way that they see the world. And sometimes this is a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. And sometimes it's a, it's none of your business thing. You know, there are certain people who should not be telling certain stories to other people's kids. If my sister-in-law or my brother were to ever say, Hey, I don't want you telling Abby or Zoe those kinds of stories. I would stop whatever the type of story was that I was telling, because it's not my place to decide what's best for their children. It may be that when Abby is an adult, she wants to explore different types of stories that are available out there in the world, and that's totally fine. But insofar as she is under the authority of my brother and his wife, it's not my business to undermine that. Also, I really just wanted to talk about my scholarship a little bit because I don't usually get the chance to talk about it because when I do people's like eyes start glazing over and then they like go off in different directions and stop listening to me which is fair I mean a lot of what I do is extremely academic and can be very boring to people who don't understand the like foundational theoretical groundwork of what it is that I do but on the surface level when I basically say I tell stories to people that make a difference Everybody can understand that, right? So yeah, I I really enjoy being able to tell these stories. I really encourage other people to tell stories if they have the chance. Like I said, my sister-in-law has started telling stories to Abby at Abby's request. My mom has told Abby stories at her request. Uh, I, I would imagine that my brother Jordan has too. I he He tells all sorts of stories all the time. In, in different settings. I, so I can't imagine that that wouldn't translate specifically to bedtime. I just haven't specifically heard him tell her a story at bedtime. So, you know, we, it, it's great to read to your kids. You really should read to your kids. It gives them a solid foundation and also helps them to follow along as they're learning how to read. But children at a young, young age are entirely oral. Everything that they learn, they learn through either observation or by being told. The easiest way to convey life experiences to children who haven't yet had the chance to experience life is by telling stories that are geared specifically to that child. Because every child is different. Every child sees the world differently because every child has a different world. Even siblings raised in the same family have completely different worldviews from each other. The way that I see the world is not necessarily the same way that my youngest brother sees the world. And a lot of that has to do with our age gap, but a lot of it also has to do with personality. It has to do with life experiences. It has to do with all sorts of things. So if you really want to connect on a completely different level in a way that is just almost spiritual in the the act it tells stories tell stories to children whether they're your children or you know whatever the case tell stories and you don't have to make them up you can tell stories that you already know you can tell the story of the little match girl you can tell the story of the little red hen you can tell the story of 
Samson and Delilah, you, you don't have to reach into your own imagination and make something up on the fly. You can, th you can tell stories that you're familiar with. But because of the familiarity with the stories that you're telling, as well as your familiarity with the person that you're telling them to, you're able to tailor those stories to make connections both, you know, in the world and also, you know, emotionally that need to be made for these kids. And, you know, also my scholarship work will be validated and I won't feel like I'm wasting all this money going to get my doctorate. But that's only a little bit. I hope you guys have a great week. I will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for watching that video. If you enjoyed it, make sure you like, subscribe, and do all those things that you do when you enjoy a video. If you'd like to learn more about us at Moms for America or the Millennial Rant, you can visit our website at millennialrant.com or see us on our Instagram page at millennial underscore rant. I look forward to seeing you next week and I hope that you have a wonderful day.